the last day's prophecy in the book of Hosea has much to do with today's version of Israel's northern kingdom, since obviously the original northern kingdom called Israel consisting of ten tribes in the time of the prophets has not existed since it went into exile in Assyria hundreds of years before Christ's arrival. Today's scattered, lost ten, plus two, tribes do not get near enough attention in today's prophecy discussion as they should. Interpretation Note Proper names in the Bible that sometimes tip us off that we are reading about today's northern kingdom's people and or land include House of Israel, Ephraim, and Samaria. For the purposes of this passage, I will use these terms, as well as Israel, to be essentially interchangeable in representing today's northern kingdom, which in large part includes the United States, its land and its people. These prophetic terms are all used in the book of Hosea. One caveat I will offer is that there may be an even deeper prophetic meaning to the people of Ephraim, which could relate to a particular, single-family bloodline and or even an individual end-times figure. Regardless, this does not impact the holistic interpretation of Scripture and top-level prophetic themes provided in this passage. One thing is clear. These aforementioned names are sometimes used in a future, i.e. prophetic, sense in Scripture, and there obviously does not currently exist a northern kingdom of Ephraim or Samaria that is constrained by geographic boundaries as it existed before the ancient northern kingdom's exile. Thus, we must strive to make an interpretation for yet-to-be-fulfilled prophecies provided in Scripture that use these names. Hosea's life story is a picture. This last day's prophecy about God's people, Israel, is encapsulated in the picture of Hosea's personal life. God called on Hosea to marry Gomer, a prostitute, who was a symbol of unfaithful Israel and Israel that worshipped Baal and false idols this is the same wicked Israel, northern kingdom, that the prophet Elijah was highly disconcerted about. In the story, Hosea's wayward, adulterous wife, Gomer, is ultimately exposed and punished for her sins by God. At this time, she finds that her other lovers are no longer around and that they have deserted her, recall our daughter of Zion's story in a prior passage, and so she returns to her first husband, Hosea, who also represents God's relationship with his people, Israel. In grace, God calls her slash Israel back, and removes her foreign gods and the names of Baal from her lips in a time of distress representing the last days. He says, in that day, you will call me my husband. And similarly, to Israel, whom God had written off as not my people, God will eventually say, you are my people, and they respond, you are the sons of the living God. Hosea 1 10. The story of the last day's northern kingdom. With that story as background, I will proceed with the parallel story of end times Israel slash Ephraim, i.e. today's northern kingdom, which is largely if not completely represented by the United States. The primary chapters of the story in this passage include Background Problems of an Antichrist-Chaldean ruled society A turn to Egypt and Assyria i.e. the New World Order Destruction comes God hides His face A house of Israel remnant is saved for regathering in the Millennial Kingdom While the story in these chapters will demonstrate the slow process of Israel-slash-Ephraim, the U.S., going away from God, and then finally returning to Him, via a remnant, there is an important subplot that is interwoven throughout this story. It has to do with the house of Judah remnant that also resides in this current-day northern kingdom, U.S. This righteous remnant, see my prior passage on the Judah remnant, appears to receive special favor from God, including some of its last day's star players who I have already addressed on this site, i.e. David, daughter of Zion, and Jacob. This particular Judah remnant are obviously Jesus Christ believers who have been tried and tested. Background in Scripture and in the book of Hosea, God reflects with pleasant thoughts about Ephraim. God refers to Ephraim originally being called out of Egypt, and is sentimental about loving him as a child, and says, I taught Ephraim also to go, taking them by the arms.
Hosea 11:3. So, I ask here, is it possible that God's pleasant, reflective thoughts are about how the U.S. originally came out of Egypt i.e. the world, and largely began as a Bible-believing, Christ-believing, Christ-serving country, with a governing body of laws and principles that originally referred to the God of Israel numerous times? God said that when He first saw Israel's fathers, in a future day's context relative to Hosea's time, it was like finding grapes in the desert or early fruit on the fig tree. Those who study prophecy understand the possible application here for a later, last day's fig tree generation. Israel in Hosea is also referred to as a land that prospered and a spreading vine bringing forth fruit. So, this appears to be somewhat of a rebirth of the northern kingdom of Israel and God's sheep is largely represented by the United States. What happened? Somewhat predictably, God's people Israel and Ephraim in the U.S. turned away over time. They fell away to the Antichrist Chaldeans, and began worshipping other gods and their sinful practices in this new northern kingdom. Scripture says that they, consecrated themselves to that shameful idol. A clue of this we are given in Scripture is that, Israel has embellished his sacred pillars, Hosea 10:1. In the book of Hosea, God revisits the original out of Egypt experience for the house of Israel. This story sums up exactly what has taken place in today's northern kingdom. In reminding of the original Exodus as a picture here, God says, I cared for you in the desert, when I fed them they were satisfied, when they were satisfied, they became proud, then they forgot me. Hosea 13 4-5. Sound familiar? Does it also sound like a snapshot of what has taken place over time in the U.S.? God has watched His sheep in the U.S. closely, and as represented by Gomer's punishment, He says, I will ruin her vines and fig trees, Hosea 2:13. The Antichrist Chaldean army have been more than happy to assist with stripping the vines of God's people over time a process that is very likely ongoing. Problems of an Antichrist Chaldean ruled society. Today's northern kingdom, Israel, represented largely by the U.S., looks like the one the prophet Elijah was dismayed about and lamented for. Elijah summoned God, troubled that the Israelites of his day had, rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death by the sword, 1 Kings 19:14. Elijah said that he felt like he was the only one left. I have discussed on this site several of those, Jacob, David, etc., in today's northern kingdom slash Israel the U.S., who might feel the same as Elijah as they battle against the massive Antichrist Chaldean army. Hosea, referring to this last day's time period, might be referring to one or more of these figures when he says, the prophet is considered a fool, the inspired man a maniac, Hosea 9-7. Hosea equates this prophet to the watchman over Ephraim, who finds snares awaiting him on all his paths. Hosea sums up about modern-day Ephraim, the U.S., the year prophets stumble, Hosea 4-5. So, to begin with, the last day's U.S. society that Hosea describes as having sunk into deep corruption, Hosea 9-9, is oppressed and trampled in judgment and persecutes and wars against its people of God. Have we seen this before? Is it happening right now? Typical, hallmark problems of a Chaldean-infiltrated society. All of the typical markers of an Antichrist Chaldean-dominated society are also present in the current-day Israel-slash-Northern Kingdom, the U.S., according to Hosea, including among both its leaders and its people alike. You are familiar with these by now, lying, cheating, stealing, robbery, murder, etc. Hosea also frequently refers to rampant sexual sin in this society. Like Gomer, they commit vile adultery, and in fact, they are all adulterers, Hosea 7:4. Referring to this issue and his Judah remnant, God says here, let Judah not become guilty, Hosea 4:15. Otherwise, it follows that the outcome of an Antichrist Chaldean, Baal-worshipping society that commits highly organized, 
intentional sexual sin becomes filled with children of adultery and illegitimate children, pause. 5 7. This is why God says a couple of times in the book of Hosea that when His punishment comes, aside from His escaped, saved remnant, children will not be spared. Recall from my prior passage that the Antichrist called an army is actually a tool used by God Himself against His people for their punishment in the last days. All of the above represent organized, coordinated lawless activities to carry out Satan's destruction on this earth, especially against God's people in countries where they live, such as the U.S., House of Israel and Ephraim. Those in the Antichrist Chaldean army, we are reminded in the book of Hosea have, taken false oaths, Hosea 10-4, burned incense to images, Hosea 11-2, and sacrificed to Baal, Hos 11-2. They are Antichrist. Finally, it is important to recall here that the Antichrist Chaldeans are a global Babylonian army. This is why we are told, Ephraim mixes with the nations, Ephraim is like a cake not turned, Hosea 7-8. God says through Hosea that foreigners sap, Ephraim's, strength without him knowing. This happens in the U.S. society as a result of the Antichrist Chaldeans' code of silence, blood oaths, and surrender to slavery for serving the powerful, corrupt rulers of the world, many of whom are not even U.S. citizens. Meanwhile, at the family level, part of their plan is to intentionally infiltrate and mix among God's people. A turn to Egypt and Assyria i.e. the New World Order. Scripture in the book of Hosea repeats multiple times that Ephraim will again be like God's people of old, and will turn, against God's wishes, to Egypt and Assyria in the last days. As I have mentioned in prior passages, Egypt and Assyria in the end times generally represent the Antichrist Chaldeans and the New World Order. The large Antichrist Chaldean traitor presence that is already in the U.S., as described in the section above, will make this initial escape appear much easier at first than it may seem on the surface. But they will be caught and exposed as discussed in the following section. The factor that drives Ephraim's run to the New World Order is that God's punishment against him, the U.S., for his sin and unrepentant heart has begun. Americans and their leaders will refuse to seek the Lord, even in their troubles. So, when Ephraim discovers his sickness and turns for help, what Ephraim does not realize is the very source of his sickness is the same place where he turns for help, that is, the Antichrist Chaldeans. Recall that the Chaldean dialectic is to deliberately cause problems and then be there to provide the solution, thereby, increasing their hold on power and control. This is why God berates and mocks this move. Ephraim is like a dove, easily deceived and senseless now calling to Egypt, now turning to Assyria. Hoss 7:11. Ephraim feeds on the wind, he pursues the east wind all day and multiplies lies and violence. He makes a treaty with Assyria and sends olive oil to Egypt. Hoss 12-1. Once Ephraim, the U.S., turns to the new world order, and is among the nations, he will become powerless. Scripture in the book of Hosea says at this point he is like a worthless thing and like a wild donkey wandering alone, Hosea 8 8-9. It is then clear that Ephraim slash Israel will be without a king, which is likely the same scenario that will happen with Judah i.e. the current country of Israel, but instead will be under the oppression of the mighty king, Hosea 8:10. This will likely be the one-world antichrist, Chaldean leader. Note to the reader, do you notice anything in our current times that might be considered to be a sickness or an incurable wound taking hold in the U.S.? Can you envision a scenario where we, in the U.S., could sometime soon be without a king? Destruction comes. Once Ephraim and the House of Israel current day U.S. turn to the new world order, then God's punishment and destruction will come upon them. God says. When they go, to Egypt and Assyria, I will throw my net over them, I will pull them down like birds of the air, I will catch them. Hosea 7:12. This likely has implications for U.S. leaders in particular. 
by running for cover to the new world order, do you think that they are trying to get away from their own corrupt misdeeds? We know that many, as Antichrist Chaldeans themselves, have rebelled against God, and God says they plot evil against Him in the last days. Scripture in Hosea, 7-7, tells us all their kings fall, and that they will even fall by the sword. This is described as follows in the book of Hosea. The high places of wickedness will be destroyed thorns and thistles will grow up and cover their altars they will say cover us. And to the hills fall on us. Hosea 10 a. Within this scenario above, I encourage the reader to consider the manner in which U.S. leaders might try to escape all of their corrupt dealings and activities that will be uncovered. As indicated above, some kind of peace agreement to join other Chaldean-led countries of the world in a world government at the time that the world is in an antichrist Chaldean-induced chaotic state would be a natural way to try to mask their corruption. But scripture tells us this will not work. While people are saying, peace and security, destruction will come upon them suddenly, like labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. 1 Thessalonians 5 3. They have dressed the wound of my people with very little care, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace at all. Jer 6:14. Corrupt Antichrist Chaldean leaders themselves will be the ones who say peace when there is indeed no peace in the world. It appears unclear at this point, but I ask, is it possible that the agreement for the U.S. to join the New World Order is, a part of, the agreement-slash-covenant that we learn about in the book of Daniel, 9:27, that initiates the seven-year tribulation period? Perhaps this would be an agreement combined with some sort of peace arrangement between the country of Israel and its neighbors. Is it possible that the agreement could have something to do with the House of Judah remnant warriors who have raised a banner to the world and are embattled with the Antichrist Chaldeans? Remember, corrupt country of Israel leaders have turned against their own Judah remnant in Babylon. Recall that this is a peace agreement that will be confirmed by many, which suggests its scope could be broader than many think. At this point when peace is declared, the land and people of Ephraim and the House of Israel, the U.S. as a whole will be in grave trouble for deserting God in favor of the Antichrist. Scriptures about coming destruction say that, swords will flash in the cities, and also, Ephraim will be laid waste on the day of reckoning. Hosea 5 9. When I please, I will punish them, nations will be gathered against them to put them in bonds for their double sin. Hosea 10 10. Because you have trusted in your own way and in the multitude of your mighty men, the roar of battle will rise against your people so that all your fortresses will be demolished. Hosea 10 13-14. In a future passage I will discuss end times Babylon in more detail, which will again present this same story of judgment coming onto Ephraim, the U.S. God hides his face, but saves a Judah remnant. Right around the last day's time period that Ephraim slash the house of Israel deserts God, goes to the new world order, and destruction begins, then God will hide his face. Also see my passage, when God hides his face. It is clear that our current day U.S. already fulfills all of the requirements for God to go away and hide his face. Scripture in the book of Hosea says that when Israel's arrogance finally testifies against them, and when they, Israel slash Ephraim, stumble in their sin, they will seek the Lord, but will not be able to find Him. At the time they realize the great king of Assyria, likely the Chaldean Antichrist, cannot help them, and their land is crumbling, God says that hey will earnestly seek Him in their misery. At the time God hides His face, the world will become a much darker and more dangerous place. It makes sense to consider this in light of what we are told in Scripture about some people being saved, removed, taken out of the way, etc. For example, I discussed the Restrainer-slash-Holy Spirit in a prior passage, who we know must be taken out of the way prior to the man of lawlessness being revealed. It would seem logical that the Restrainer-slash-Comforter's removal could coincide with God's hiding His face. 
this also appears to be a likely time for the escape of those counted worthy, as Jesus described. Is God hiding His face a signal for the Judah remnant? I have addressed how and times Jacob is saved out of the time of Jacob's trouble. I mentioned above that the peace agreement could in some ways be related to the conflict between God's last days people, including the Jacob and Judah remnant, and the Antichrist Chaldeans, which could mean that Jacob and the Judah remnant are freed at this time. I have also previously indicated that a Cyrus-type figure would initiate this process, see Isaiah, ch. 45. Also, recall in my passage about this particular Judah remnant that they will be considered holy and royal and will transition into the millennial kingdom as such. In the Hosea scripture below, it is clear that God will show favor to this Jesus Christ-worshipping Judah remnant, living in Ephraim U.S., in the last days, in contrast with Ephraim which has gone away from him. He says. Ephraim compasseth me about with lies, and the house of Israel with deceit, but Judah yet ruleth with God, and is faithful with the saints. Hosea 11:12. Furthermore, God tells us in the book of Hosea how He will save this Judah remnant during this time. God tells us that He will save them Himself, which is consistent with God delivering end times Jacob by Himself. This leaves open the manner in which they are saved, and will certainly be a supernatural occurrence no matter what since God Himself is involved. God's involvement is described as follows. Yet I, God, will show love to Judah, and I will save them, not by bow, sword or battle, or by horses and horsemen, but I, the Lord their God, will save them. Hosea 1-7 Therefore will I return, and take away my corn in the time thereof, and my wine in the season thereof. Hosea 2-9 God contrasts this righteous Judah remnant with wayward, defiled Israel-slash-Ephraim one more time in the book of Hosea when he says. Also for you O Judah a harvest is appointed, when I will restore my people from captivity. Hosea 6:11. In Scripture, it appears that there may be an initial removal and escape for a select Judah remnant prior to the larger last days exodus of God's people that I have discussed. We know that many of God's people at the point when God hides His face will still need to be tested and refined and given an opportunity to seek Jesus Christ. Perhaps these will go through a similar type persecution as did the Judah remnant a larger remnant saved for regathering. I mentioned at the outset how Hosea ultimately calls back his wife to be betrothed to him, and how God calls Israel his people again, whom he had said prior, were not his people. He says he will now love them again and will heal their waywardness. God receives his people Israel back after they realize that Egypt and Assyria cannot save them in the time of tribulation. His people finally humble themselves, recognize their wickedness and ask Jesus Christ's forgiveness of their sins, Hosea 14 2. They will also renounce their idols and vow they will never again call things they make with their own hands their gods. Scripture says at this time that God will roar like a lion and they, house of Israel, will come trembling like birds from Egypt, like doves from Assyria. Hosea 11:11. This represents the house of Israel remnant coming out of the new world order antichrist system and returning to their homeland to be settled in their homes. I discussed God's people's regathering in more detail in a recent, prior passage. Meanwhile, in the book of Hosea, God says that His people Israel will finally blossom like a lily, Hosea 14:5. send down roots like a cedar of Lebanon, Hosea 14:5. have splendor like an olive tree, Hosea 14:6. flourish like the grain, Hosea 14:7. blossom like a vine, Hosea 14:7. Tilda. Israel ultimately rejoins regathered Judah for the beginning of the millennial kingdom after a tumultuous period that demonstrated to them that Antichrist Chaldean rule over the world only led to their persecution and scattering as a people, as well as to destruction of societies all over the world. To close out the story of Hosea and Gomer, we take our cue from their firstborn son Jezreel, 
whose name means God scatters or sows, who God originally asked Hosea to name to represent God's upcoming punishment on the ancient house of Jehu for the massacre of God's Judah tribe people in the prophet Elijah's day. In the time of regathering of God's people, we are told great will be the day of Jezreel. This shows God will have taken vengeance on His people's enemies, regathered them, and the apparent Judah line son of an Israel prostitute, i.e. a son produced by and raised in the northern kingdom will be recognized as a symbol of justice, and possibly as a leader in God's kingdom to come. Grace and Peace. Lion's Lair, LL.